Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Barbara Gordon. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You home for news reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 146. I did. My voice was a little too deep on uh, Barbara Gordon. But it seems it seems just patronizing to be like one Barbara Gordon. No, it's best you not do that. <laughs> I know, I know. One one Barbara Gordon. There, there you go. That's the I think that's the voice I hear when I read Batgirl. Yeah. Ironically, this is the first day this weekend. I'm not wearing my Batgirl shirt. Well, there's only two days in the weekend. That's true. I mean, I wore it Friday and Saturday. Oh no. So yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Poor Batgirl. It's not like a Buffalo Bill woman suit. It's a t-shirt with a print on it. I know, but two days in a row, Eric. Yeah. It's the weekend, man. <laughs> you get comfy. I understand. You you don't even leave the house to work. You're probably wearing something from a month ago. I actually overcompensate and compulsively change my clothes. <laughs> And touch the doorknob 30 times before you enter the next room, right? So No, I don't do that. I just Change is important when you're inside the same environment 99% of the time. Hey, Handsome Heights. <laughs> we are off the rails already this morning. Mm -hmm. Early Sunday morning. Although, I don't know. This is early for me. I doubt it's early for Eric. I have been up since 5? I don't remember. That's, that's, oof, okay. I don't, I haven't been getting up and having coffee first thing, so I keep falling back asleep, but I think that in general, more sleep is good. I agree. I need I, to, I, I need to stop sleeping four and five hours every night. No, you should sleep more than that. Seven to eight. Recommend. Seven to eight is, is usually what people recommend. If I could get seven hours every night, that would be, that'd be great. That'd be Bill Lumberg. Never heard someone use that before, but it makes perfect sense. I know. That's because everything I do makes perfect sense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we are finishing up Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo's Batman, in Nerdboy Book Club this week. The, let's see, Endgame and Super Heavy arcs. Bunny Suit Batman. Mm-hmm. Jim Gordon, Mohawk Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about that later on. Talk about his mustache-growing superpower. We will be talking about that. Uh... But before we get to that, we have the uh, comic books that came out this week to talk about, to review, to to discuss. You ready, Eric? Sure. Okay, good. Love that enthusiasm. It is time mm -hmm. for Wheelie of Lobbies. Wheelie of Lobbies is the bar show where Eric and I will review a selection of this week's books. Tell you buy or do not buy them. We're smart fellows. You should listen to us. This is a mush meter if we're feeling particularly mushy. First book is Civil War Two number zero. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, art Oliver Coipel, colors Justin Ponzor, letters, and production by Clayton Cowles. So, here it is, Eric. Mm-hmm. It starts. It apparently does start. I'm going to ask you a question. 
because we had been reading the Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha through whatever's mm-hmm. Omega Gamma Beta. I don't. There's a lot of Greek. Um, yes, and I was preemptively judging mm-hmm. the Civil War II event, and you had warned me. You said you shouldn't be judging things before they even start, and you're that's true. I, I shouldn't do that. When can I start judging this thing? I'm judging it a little based on that little bit at the end. It's a little ham-fisted. I don't know. I think that if you're going to say this is bad, you kind of have to get to the middle of it. This is a zero issue, too. I'll, I'll Here, I'll try and be positive and tell you things I do like. Mm-hmm. Oliver Coypel's art. Mm-hmm. Very good looking, as always. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's a very good job. I like Doc Samson. Mm-hmm. Always. I heart Doc Samson. Even though, theoretically, he, he's been dead up until this book. He died. So Bendis brought him back using some off-screen method that he's being cagey about online. So I don't know how Doc Samson is back alive. But uh, I like Doc Samson. I like uh, the the War Machine bits here with the president. Oh, absolutely. That's really cool. I don't like where it looks like this thing is going. Mm-hmm. Which I believe is what you were alluding to. Yes. it 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 looks like it's going where you thought it was going. So I, 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 as soon as, you know, that, that conversation with Maria Hill at mm-hmm. the, towards the end of the book, I read that and I'm like, me and Rob are going to talk about this. This is, he's going to be like, aha. <laughs> I'm not going to do aha. <laughs> you could do aha if you want to. I don't. It doesn't make me happy to be up. No, I don't. I'm, I mentioned this when we were reading the assault on Hill books. Mm-hmm. This is this minority report plot is tired and it doesn't have true. Like, what I found really refreshing about the Civil War movie is the fact that both sides, you could understand their perspective and you could root for either one of them. You know, Civil War one in the comics made Reed Richards and Tony Stark and Hank Pym, by extension, uh, monsters. Like, they committed war crimes. Um, any superhero that is advocating that we imprison people before they commit crimes, I, I, how are, can I root for them? That is my problem. And if it's going to be, I don't want to see Captain Marvel on the side of, let's just imprison people because they think about something real hard. Yeah. And like that, I mean, Uncanny X-Force, which we have read for this podcast, has a whole arc about that very same subject. Mm-hmm. And does it fairly artfully for what it is. I mean, that book is a, kind of a different tenor than this book is going for. It's, it's for certain, it's much kind of darker. Um, but I don't know. It, it just it feels like an artificial construct. I think it is at the end of the day my biggest complaint. Like, why is this happening? Like when that plot came up in Uncanny X Force about you know the the team goes in ends up in the future where they are imprisoning people. You kind of understand thematically why it's happening, why how it ties into the greater themes of the book. Civil War Two, I mean, just calling it Civil War Two, like there's no thematic connection to anything greater in the Marvel universe right now. Like it, it is just a great event for event's sake. And I know a lot of events are like that, but like when I have some kind of tenuous connection to this, like this is, I, I'm I'm not. I don't know how many of these I'm going to want to read if this is what the, the and like you, the book ends with, you know, a couple of humans getting their powers and then sort of some sort of a 
disaster occurring. We don't know exactly what it was. I'm assuming that's going to be explained in the, the but like there's an entire city that is that New York at the end. It's hard to say. Yeah, it could be any major city. Um, I just I what I think I I'm fairly certain that this they've been leaking this like that one of the humans has the ability knew his ability is to like see the future, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that's what this is. He is seen he sees a future of a destroyed city, and then that ends up being the evidence that the you know the hard line side mm-hmm. the, the they they go oh well this guy can see the future if we can stop it from before it happens then we but I I don't know this comic book is well written it looks beautiful um I just on a like ideological level kind of resent everything that's happening inside of it mm. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you just said I think you've really laid it out really well I I think I'm not as sick of it i at least want to read it and then i'll probably be you know fair to midland on it i it it's not an event that excites me i mean there were some parts in some of the earlier books that i thought were very interesting and you know we talked about the allusion to guantanamo and there's there's interesting subject matter that it touches on i just hope that it spends I, I hope it spends time doing something smart. So I think that it should be given the benefit of the doubt to see if they'll do that or if it's going to be more like that X-Force story, you know, something that's fine, you know. And for what it's worth, I thought you were talking about the uh, the Kid Apocalypse story, you know, the whole um, ethics of a pre, uh, uh, what the hell's the word? What word am I looking for? Not premeditated, preemptive strike. Yeah, well, I mean that's, I mean that the fact that, well, that, them, I mean that's why I kind of like it in Uncanny X Forces because it thematically yes. ties into a lot of stuff it, happening. It, it, yes, it did. Yeah. But I had completely, I had completely forgotten about Psylocke World. Yeah, <laughs> I had. I mean, I that was just it's <laughs> gone from my brain. And and the. The, the Wolverine stuff in that was also, like, it also really, it pays off. Like, Wolverine, mm-hmm. his older version of himself is like, you need to get, you need to take care of Dokken, or he will do something horrible. Mm. And, like, all, and, and you and you mentioned Kid Apocalypse like that. It also, like, is very much like yeah. him struggling with what am I and, and nature of, of, you know, my my existence and all that stuff. I, I'm a, I'll say I'm a buy. Mm-hmm. This issue because there's nothing wrong with it and i mean it, it i don't we'll probably read one or two and we'll see how it goes i am apprehensive i think it's i think it's perfectly understandable given the fact that you're uh you know what you've voiced up to this point i i i'm not surprised you're a buy smaller i am a buy okay you're just a flat out buy huh yeah i'll just say no bye. no no nuance there at all not right now that's Double Buy, Civil War Two, number zero. Our next book is Future Quest, number one, written by Jeff Parker, art by uh, Doc Shaner and Steve Rude, colors Jordi Belair, letters Dave Lanfear. Um, did you, before we get into this book in particular, mm-hmm. did you, have you have an experience with all those Hanna-Barbera, Johnny Quest stuff, Eric? Have you ever watched those shows? Yeah, on uh, on Cartoon Network. I, I mean, that was, you know, my early teen years and late tween years. I spent a lot of time watching that garbage. 
<laughs> so it's, it's one of the reasons I took to stuff like the Venture Brothers so well. Is it? I mean, that was my exposure to it. Yeah, I mean, when I was a child, uh, we only had one car, so my dad would have to drop us off at daycare before a preschool, whatever you want to call it, before mm-hmm. so he'd go to work. And when he was getting ready, and we were already ready, uh, we would watch Johnny Quest because mm-hmm. it was on at six a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. This book is very much like, hey, we'll take all these, like, we'll take Space Ghost, we'll take oh, yeah. Johnny Quest, we're going to take all these properties, we're going to kind of mishmash them together in this weird kind of sci-fi, pulpy kind of way, and put them on, like, and make an adventure comic out of it. Mm-hmm. Can a book like this, with this property, exist in the same world as Venture Brothers? Now, like, post-Venture Brothers. Basically, the the heavily ironic thing that's been working for a long, long time... And here's the Johnny Come Lately. That's the the completely without irony version. Yeah, well, there's a they play it a little more tongue, obviously more tongue in cheek than those original series did for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely not Venture Brothers level of like no wink and a nod stuff. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. If um, I I think this can exist, but only with Doc Shaner drawing it. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I really don't think you get almost anyone else on earth to draw this. And you're like, what is this garbage? This is stupid. No, this, this, at, in this form, I really am excited by this. I think this could easily, this could easily be bad. Yeah, it, it's a really delicate balance mm-hmm. because you have to. I, I think it, it hits that tone really well. I think Parker and Shanner have done a very good job um, in maintaining that. It's like it's not. It has. It can be too serious, but it has to be a little. It has to be somewhat serious. You have to have I, the Venture Brothers. I never felt like I don't. When someone dies in the Venture Brothers, I don't really go. Oh, you know, I don't. Those characters, like when was it end of season one when the brothers die. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then I was like, I laughed. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel bad for it. I just, <laughs> I, I just, I thought it was hilarious. It, but this book can't do that. These, it has to be played a little bit more seriously. Um, or it, if it doesn't, then it literally is just the Venture Brothers with the original characters. And that is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I, I like the tone of this. And it actually, considering the insanity of the fact they're bringing like Birdman and Space mm-hmm. Ghost and Johnny Quest into one plot, it, they do a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I, I never questioned at any point, you know, could all this exist? I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty well on board. This is, uh, this is a delightfully fun book. It does the the stupid cheesy fan service really well. It looks glorious. I think they've they've played all the right notes here. I agree. It's it's pretty remarkable that this is pulled off as well as it is. Bye. Yeah. Double bye. Future quest number one. Our next book is May number one. Uh, I believe it's just let's see. I think there's a coloring assistant here, right? But it is written drawn. Page will load eventually, I'm sure. Story yeah. Gina Haw, cover, let's see, color assistance, Rose McLean, letters, letters Xander Cannon. Yeah, the, for the most part, this is all Gene Haw with some color assists and uh, lettering. Um, it is, what is that? There's like a little preamble that discusses 
stories like this. Mm-hmm. What, is it, what is the word, it, the, the term it uses? Um, portal, portal fiction. Mm. And this is like reverse portal fiction. When in that there is a character that goes into a weird world and then comes back. And that weird world is now coming into Earth. How do you see this, Eric? Do you like this? I think it's fine. Um, I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of Gene Ha from um, uh, from reading Top Ten. I don't think I've spent a whole lot of other time with his work, but he's certainly he's a very respected name, you know. And this book looks good, and I think he's, I, you know, I I like that he's done this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think it's fun. It's interesting. Um, the characters in the shape of this are, are, are very good. Um, God, the, the art is a little, fu- it's strange looking, isn't it? That's, it, it, it's not that it's bad. It's, yeah. it, it looks almost like computer art, like CGI. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Well, this, yeah, this looks like something I would have seen on Deviant Art in 2005. You know, obviously, I mean, it would have been like really good deviant art 2005 stuff but it still it just doesn't look like modern computer color it looks really really strange i think we expect more texture in our uh our comic book art at this point that this just looks really glossy like he it's obvious that he did some some pencil rendering here and there kept it a little sparse and linear and then uh did most of the most of the work in the color i mean it's by no means awful looking but it looks dated it does not look like a 2016 comic book the use of colors pretty good but it still looks like several years old it yeah it's not it's hard to describe how like Mm -hmm. what's weird to me Mm -hmm. it's but it's just like you look at it and you're like it's not bad it's just yeah odd yeah the story itself, I think, is fine. I don't... Every time we read these these types of stories, where it's like, hey, here's a real world, and then a strange something strange intrudes. I want more of the, the weird stuff than mm-hmm. the real world stuff. And this book has mostly... Like, I, when her sister has returned and it is, is describing all the things that has happened to her in the, her, this other world... Yeah, here it is on page 23. She's like, I can tell you that I fought the dread Vlokdab and saved the Calyptiers from the Mad Cert. As queen, I united the nomadic tribes of the Manoop and overthrew the tyrant of the Jastro Dupe. I'm like, well, I want to see that stuff. Why is... I don't... I don't... I just don't... I don't... I think to an extent... I mean, it's... It... (laughs) I mean, to an extent, it's a... uh, Not a trope, but it's, you know, it's a technique. You know, Mm -hmm. you let the... You let the reader sort of complete what's going on there. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a problem with that. I don't, I mean, the fact that it is that story shape, but flipped around. Yes. You know, it's not like we're going into Narnia. Narnia is eventually spilling over and we have to sort of fill in the gaps. That it seems like this story is going to be kind of this combination of this invasion of little little Ewok guys <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, the sister relationship. Mm-hmm. Are you, um, you on board for that? I have no problem with it, you know. Um, I mean, I definitely think it can be, can be good, and it's something that, you know, we could stand to see more of in comics. 
at least in terms of uh, the the sister relationship. I I do want to say that this cover is BS. Oh, is it? It's a BS cover. There's a big giant cat on the cover, like a mammoth cat. Mm-hmm. No mammoth cat in this book. You were you were really looking for that mammoth cat, weren't you? You know me. I do know you. That's why I just said that. Yep. Gene Ha has his logo on here twice. What on the cover? Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you do that? For when you sell that cover as a print at a comic convention, you're not going to have the May thing on mm-hmm. there, so you got to have it. Back I guess. Up. I don't know. I'm a mushy buy on this. Like three. I'm surprised it's so high. I, just, I think this is worth. I think this is worth your time and money. Okay. I think it's cute. I do agree to an extent with what you're saying that it's to where a lot of comic series do too much. This one is just a little too slow. I think if we had moved the invasion a couple of pages earlier, if we had had a bigger hook at the end, I think it would have helped it. But as it stands, I think the setup is good. So just buy? Yeah. Okay. That will be double buy on May, number one, with a mush meter of one and a half, 1.5. Our next book is Archangel, number one. Created by William Gibson and Michael St. John Smith. Script by William Gibson. Art by Butch Guise. I'm guessing. Inks. I've read that name before. I don't think I've ever gotten it right. Inks by Tom Palmer with Butch Guise. Colors by Diego Rodriguez. Letters by Sean Lee. I would have said Guise. Guise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. You ever have you read Neuromancer, Eric? Mm-mm. I was going to ask you similar questions about William Gibson. I, I think th- I've. I think I, I might have bought it or something on Kindle. It's the, I, it's, the, it's the book that I tell myself I'm going to read. Yes, that it is a, a kind of important cyberpunky mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. I think I've read it when I was a teenager, an early teenager, 13 or 14. But if you ask me to tell you what happens inside, would not be able to tell you anything. So it is like I've not read it. it I read so much when I was a kid that all of it has kind of faded away at my old age. Um but it, I mean, I just asked that because William Gibson has quite a legacy as a writer, as a, a novelist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw many a, a, a Twitter people, comic Twitter people, mentioning this just because they're like, oh man, William Gibson writing a comic book? I've got to read it just because it's William Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, I guess, a esp- time travel espionage story. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think? I, I I enjoy it. It does. It reads more like a novel than a comic. Or it reads like a comic that a novelist would write. I yes, I yes, it definitely does. It does. It does not read like some somewhere. I don't know. Possibly more like a movie, but I could see this being possibly more effective as prose. There's not a whole lot that it's doing that quite takes advantage of the comic book medium i mean it it does voiceover yeah in the way that a movie does it's it it it's interesting it's a fun premise it's it, it I, I i like that it exists it doesn't necessarily bore me i would read this novel as it stands i'll read this comic but it doesn't really i don't understand why it's a comic other than comics are cool you know, be 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 more comic, I guess. <laughs> That's a a question I really find interesting mm-hmm. in 
Warren Ellis talks about it a lot because now, you know, con- considering that he writes comics, but he also writes novels, he's also working on like television, movie projects. And people ask him a lot. It's like, when you have an idea for some sort of fiction, for a story, how do you determine the form, like even the medium? Like, do you, do you, what, how do you decide, hey, this is going to be a comic book versus, hey, this is a novel versus I want to make this a TV show or versus, you know, whatever. Or it's a short story or et cetera. And I'm curious, I don't know the through line on how William Gibson came to write a comic book. If he just, if they came to him and said, hey, you want to write a comic book? Or if he said, I want to write a comic book and who wants to publish my comic book? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I think this is interesting. I think it has potential. It certainly, ca- it puts a, a lot out there in one issue. Like, yeah. I, I will applaud that after reading May, which I, I think I, your, your point of that, it's a little slow. This is like right in the, like tons and tons of stuff happening in one mm-hmm. issue gets the ball rolling, puts the, st- gets the stakes out there right away. Um, still managed to have a lot of just dense talking. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that some, some definitely related and plenty that's not as well. I think that's it's the interesting. I'm not against that necessarily. Depending. No, neither am I, but I'm not always in the mood for reading that when I'm reading a comic book. I, I'm, I know we've read something that Butch Guise has drawn before. I just cannot mm-hmm. remember what it is, but, uh, I think his, his art suits this book. It's very kind of that. SP, it reminds me of all the, those cat Steve Epting, Captain America, Mike mm-hmm. Perkins, uh, or the Brubaker. Um, yes. Books as yeah. Well. Um, I you see. I like I like that. You know, mm-hmm. I like that comparison. But I I honestly I think that it makes this material look drier. Doesn't? I think I would rather have something kind of a midpoint between this and oh, who's the who is the artist on? Um, is it Mockingbird? What's the what's the story? Um, I forget who draws Mockingbird. Yeah. Something between that, something that's a little bit more stylized and lively. I mean, this has really nice uh, high-energy line work, but it's mostly a bunch of people standing around talking. Yeah. And it makes things a little dry, you know? Kate Niemczyk, right? Mm -hmm. Niemczyk, I don't ask. Niemczyk, probably, is the artist on Mockingbird. There's something with a little bit more pop. More like, like, kind of like a... Archer, or I think we mm-hmm. compared this particularly Mockingbird number two to Archer a lot, just because of yes. the weird subject matter. But you know, something along those lines where like it takes the spycraft stuff and just yeah makes it a little bit more energetic. Mm-hmm. Although I don't, I I don't, I think if you, I don't know, do you think that changes the tone of this book a little? I think it's possible. I don't think it should get silly. Like I definitely think it should be serious. I just kind of want something that is more high energy. Okay. You know, something that th- this takes a lot of very interesting subject matter and makes it way more dull than it should be. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want this to be dull. There's nothing wrong with any of it. It just let's just inject some life into it. Okay. Are you a buyer? I think so. Okay. You know, it's it's certainly interesting. I just, you know, let's let's get a let let's give it an Adderall. It doesn't necessarily need to be on cocaine, but it could, it could use it could use a, an Adderall and a strong cup of coffee. How about that? 
Okay. I'm a buy as well. I, I like it. I'm going to keep reading it. I think it's a, I agree with you that it is kind of, I'm not going to, I won't call it boring. I will call it a slow, you know, it's slow. Like I, and I don't conflate those terms. Those terms, I can keep them separate. Like something mm-hmm. can be slow and interesting. I don't mm-hmm. need it. I don't need something. Slow does not necessarily equal boring, but too much slow can equal boring. Also, on the last page, you get the, the, the imposter guy with his two bodyguards. Um, it doesn't come through on the finished page, or at least not all the way. But if you look at those sketches, which are included in all the back matter and stuff, mm-hmm. those two, those bodyguards are literally Batista and Brock Lesnar. Like, <laughs> that guy literally drew two wrestlers. <laughs> That's, I have to go back and look at that now. It's on the sketches in particular. The finished, it, the colors kind of change it a little bit, even though the guy on the left still does look like Dave Batista. But, of, of course, you noticed that. You look at the sketch, like, I didn't notice it. I didn't think about it, but then I went through the sketches and on page, like, 28 is the sketch. Okay, I totally see it now. You I look just at- saw that. I, I see their headshots. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that really, really, really is. Yes, I would notice that, but I mean, I didn't, like, you look on the guy in the right, I'm like, hey, that's Brock Lesnar. That haircut, mm-hmm. like, no human head is shaped like that, except mm-hmm. for Brock Lesnar's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's, and then Batista sitting next to him, but. That's, yeah, no, that, that's the one that stands out to me. Like, I think that it's like he's changed up the face on, on Lesnar a little bit, but mm-hmm. that is like exactly, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so weird. There's a couple of wrestlers or the bodyguards of this, uh, yeah. this guy. Um, I mean, they're both big, but, uh, so double buy on Archangel number one. Our last book of the week is, come on, come on. Okay. Micronauts number two. Oh, nope, can't, that's not, I'm having trouble. Written by Colin Bunn, art Max Dunbar, colors Dave Garcia Cruz, letters Tom B. Long. Uh, we read number one. Were we, were we mushy at all on number one? Don't recall. I don't think so. I felt like I was fairly positive on this weird property that I, I know. Right. <laughs> I don't remember anything uh, overwhelmingly negative about it. Yeah. I think, I think this is a, a, I don't know, I don't remember, like, being blown away, but I thought, oh, this is interesting. It's fun. It's Colin Bun. Yeah, but I, I, I think that this is this is dumb popcorn action mm-hmm. uh, in in the best way. That it's big, colorful robots falling from space and stabbing things with swords. Yes, I mean it's it's pretty cool. Yes, you know, I I normally I don't know. I want my book to be. Uh, a little too smart for its own good. This is this is just an issue of shit flying around and blowing up and getting shot and stabbing flying things. It's kind of awesome. I, I think it it feels too short. I, well, I mean that is a product of mm-hmm. that action. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I like the aesthetic, like the clunky '80s toy aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It, like, and we're seeing that come back around. Um, in, in comic books like this, um, I like it as like seeing these things like as actual functional things, like seeing you're talking about the robots and like that is they like, they're like, I don't know how we would make, I don't know what a real life transformer would look like, like what we would, a human would make that as it probably looked like an iPod, but, uh, this like weird finned and like thick angular, like it red and blues and stuff like that. Like, it looks like toys that are, like, from, 
my childhood mm. blowing each other up and stabbing each other with swords and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm. A, I agree with you. I like this. I, I'm. I'm a. I'm still a buy on this. I have no clue what's happening with. Like, I don't know what these characters <laughs> are. Like, I don't know. Like, if they like that big reveal at the end. If that's supposed to mean something. Yeah, it means literally nothing to I me. I mean, I think he looks cool. Yeah. I, like I, it has more. Like it has like. What are those things on his back? What are those those red things that pop up? What are the? Or they have? Do they have a purpose? I don't know, but I'm a buy. I like it. It's it it, it is exactly what you described. It is very dumb mm-hmm. robots falling from space, but uh, you know I like that from time to time. It's it's okay. You can you could do worse. So yes, yes. Have you? Oh, there's a. This reminds me of a video game too. Mm-hmm. Galaxy. I don't know what new uh, contemporary game. Yeah, it's uh, well, rough. It's like a year old. It's it's a. Uh, it's a your favorite. It's like a your. It's a roguelike, so it's your favorite type of game. But I just, it, I just really wish people would find a new thing. It, but it in, incorporate those ideas and technology. But give me something. I, I, I don't know. But it's, it's. It does look like that though. This it, game looks glorious. It, it takes this aesthetic and makes it mm-hmm. like you are a robot guy in a suit. Like it can change between a fighter jet and a fighting robot, and. The pause screen actually has like VHS scroll lines on it. That's fantastic. Yeah, like it's it, it's very much like eighties anime kind of style. I, I I definitely like that that old sort of aesthetic. You know the uh, the Captain Harlock sort of Leiji Matsumoto era of stuff. It's pretty exciting. This game looks cool. You'd probably hate the gameplay. It's really hard. Possibly. I don't. I don't like. I don't like being frustrated by a game. I don't have a don't. lot of time. Then enjoy looking at the screenshots of that game. That's that sounds fine then. Because it is very hard. I beat the first. I there's like it it, it comes in episodes, like like an anime series, or and and you're you're playing through them. And the the first one is the tutorial, and I struggled with that, so I know it gets harder. And you, I obviously you probably get better at it, but I don't. No, oh, I, I, I'm at the stage of my life that I do not have, I, I can't be putting my EXPs into <laughs> into becoming good at video games. There's a lot of things that I want to do that will improve my life in other ways. Your EXPs. Yeah. But, uh, so that's double buy. Micronauts number two. <laughs> Slid into checking in there for a minute. Um, I never played that game long enough, actually. Give it a full. Mm-hmm. Once over. Uh, anything you read? Anything else this week, Eric? Uh, no, I don't think so. I did not either. I meant to, then I didn't. That's the the nature of the beast. You when you're busy, you wanted to read the Karnak. I did. I do like the Karnak. I want to. I want to. I want to catch up. Is that? I I looked back at our episodes. We did not read Karnak number one. <laughs> We did. I I might have brought that up before, but no, we did not read it because we got a number two. I think you read it. We did not read it for the podcast. I regret that I didn't read it because Karnak Two was the shit. Like it looks amazing. I just I don't know. There's five month gap between one and two, so I don't. Oh yeah, no, it, it's perfectly acceptable. You're a fallible person. Nope, no, that's not acceptable. Okay, so kill yourself. Matt will have to build a robot to. To host the Simpsons show, he'd probably just stop. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you're you're easily the driving force here. 
with that, we can uh, call it a day for Weekly Floppies. Until next week, there will be more comics. There will be Rebirth next week. Ready for some Rebirth, Eric? Hold on. Let me grab my vomit bucket. Early reviews are positive. Okay. Well, that's good. There's leaks out I, there if you want to find out what happens. I, I have avoided them. I'd like to not I spoil don't, them. No, I don't I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to dislike DC. I, I, like, I want them to get their shit together. And it feels like they're starting to. I don't know. It's... There's a lot of crossfire. We can move to our next segment. It's time for Checking In. Checking In is the part of the show where Eric and I will uh, talk about what we've been up to during the week. Things, movies, video games, books, television shows, all those things. We in, we consume them. We will pass our knowledge on to you. Eric, what have you done? I just seem like I can't get through anything. Why do you but, say that? Well, I... I, I I am working a lot. I'm doing a lot of just my own stuff right now. I'm not really having time to consume media, but I do have a discussion I'd like to have with you. Uh oh. If that's if that's permissible, uh, have anything. have you anything is anything? I, I'm just gonna make fart noises for 15 minutes. Okay. Is that is that, uh, is that acceptable? Hashtag. I'll put that in the episode description. Checking in. Hashtag fart noises. What discussion? I want to talk about this big kerfluffle around the Cinemassacre, James Rolfe. Oh my god. <laughs> that moron. His video. Have you watched have you watched his video? I'm not watching that thing. No. You I mean should. I'm aware I'm aware of it. No, I don't want to no. watch it. You you should watch it. He does not say a single sexist thing at all. All he does is say, you know, I'm a big fan of this. The trailer does not look very good, which if you've seen that trailer, it does not look very good. I think he even says, and I, I watched a video after of someone else commenting on him and his commentary that, um, so maybe I'm kind of mashing the two of them together, but he says like, you know, I, I saw Bridesmaids, I saw this, I like this actress, I like this, this just doesn't look good, I don't like the effects. And he talks about, like, sort of the history of Ghostbusters 3 and how it didn't work out. And I thought it was a very well-reasoned, um, I mean, for someone who is has been a fan of an old franchise to have it basically come out a completely different way. I, I just, I, I thought his reasons were interesting. And it, people, it, I don't know, people are not wanting to criticize this movie. I'm, when it, I don't think it looks that good. It's not out I yet. Is, I, I understand that, and a lot of people are saying the same thing. The reaction to his video that I watched said, yeah, it's not really too fair. You can have a bad trailer and then have a pretty okay movie. Um, but there's no, there's no reason. Like, people are really shitting on this guy's review, and they haven't watched it. <laughs> I'm, there's no, no, literally nothing bad he says in it. No, I don't. It is not the content of his. Re- it's not. Well, one, it's not a review. Yeah. Movies. The movie's not it's out not, yet. It's not. It's not a review, which is why I don't like. I don't. Ha- I don't even pay. I barely pay attention to reviews of movies like as they're out. Like I. I. I don't. So it. What it came out. It, I don't. I. First of all, I've never heard of this guy before. This mm-hmm. thing, so I that well, I I was I'll, aware I was aware of this network for for years. I thought it was the angry video game nerd guy, but it's just a dude that works for him. So I it's one I okay I love Ghostbusters one. Um, I think Ghostbusters one is a great 
horror comedy movie. The mm-hmm. the probably the first one that fully realized the the those two genres together. Um Ghost but if you're talking about movies that ruin the legacy of Ghostbusters, I point you right at Ghostbusters too. And I and I don't think that's a problem at all. But that it, I don't understand why this Hollywood has been churning out reboots mm-hmm. and remakes for a while now. It that is not it's not news that they're you want to call this a cash grab or whatever. That's fine. That mm-hmm. everything they do is a cash grab. They no, and that's try to make money. Like, but yes, that's why I just don't. I find his choosing to make a. a, a it just seems like he's doing the same thing. Like, I want attention, so I'm going to make a stand about this movie that other people have the same opinion on, which I'm not saying that he is misogynist or is disliking this movie because it's all female cast or whatever, but he's certainly taking advantage of people who have that feeling or at least getting views from people who have that feeling. Who See, that's that's so – I don't know. That's a weird criticism because even like what we're literally doing at this moment – recording a podcast that's exactly what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to listen to our thing that you know read comics i mean that's all any social media is i don't think there's anything substantive to what he's saying especially when the movie you also haven't watched it i think it's you just described it it's i have not i did an okay job of describing it i i mean there's i have not been i thought the trailer was bad I think that this has become like a weird, like you can't criticize this movie. You, can, I'm it not saying anyone can't criticize this movie. It really, I mean, it has been like this is. I'm not. I, I don't have that. People, people are terrible. I, I, and I know it's because you're a reasonable person for the most part. I just, I, it might be bad. I don't, but I don't. People are care. taking this. <laughs> I don't people care about Ghostbusters that much. Said the same thing about. You say the same thing about Star Wars, and it's... I don't, I don't know. At, at a certain point, you have to care at least a little bit about fucking tent poles of, like, nerd culture. I mean, there are grown I, men that dress like Ghostbusters and Stormtroopers. The, like, lots and lots and lots of them. I'm I, friends with several that, like, dress up like Ghostbusters and visit hospitals. And that... You know, it... The, the fucking 501 is all over Florida. I'm, I don't, what, what are you trying, I don't understand, like. I'm, all I'm saying is it's, you're, I just think, uh, well, this is my criticism of you, I guess. I don't. <laughs> you just throw your hands up in the air. Well, that's what I do. Like, I don't give a shit about this, but it's like, I, I will. It's, uh, like a, it's, it's like an important thing. It's like, I, it's like, well, I don't give a shit about Moby Dick, but you know. I don't think, I don't think it's when it's the same way about superhero properties. Mm-hmm. Which I inherently care about way more than I do Ghostbusters. But at a certain point, when this property is owned by someone else, by a corporation, not by a person, you can't. I I try, and I am thankful that the Marvel Studios have handled these movies so well and handled these characters so well for mm-hmm. the most part. There's a, I mean, there's always complaints, but I am. If those movies. If the Marvel movies, the modern Marvel movies were doing like the DC movies were doing or were if they were doing what the Michael Bay Turtle movies were doing. Yeah. I would probably be making videos or making podcasts just like that guy is doing. Mm-hmm. But the, that it 
at the end of the line, like, Ghostbusters was just a movie I watched when I was a kid. I don't have that connection to it. Same way with G.I. Joe Mm -hmm. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I enjoy those things as a child, but I don't have, like, Ghostbusters 1 will always be there. I can watch that whenever I feel like it. This movie, and that this movie can't, if I let this movie impact my feelings about a giant, like, it's just, it's not like there's some auteurs, like, going, like, no, this is the Ghostbusters that matters. Yes, it is. It is a, when people criticize it, it's like, they're obviously going for the female audience. I'm like, well, that's, yeah, because that it is shown that those movies have done very well lately. The, and like, Fast and the Furious has done really well. You know why? Because it has, it go, it is appealing to, uh, different ethnicities and to women. And they realize that they can't, these movie companies are realizing they can't survive on appealing only to white men anymore. Mm-hmm. And when it 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 just seems naive to me to criticize a giant corporation for not making something that is special or whatever. Like, I if you are like if you have some deep connection to Ghostbusters or something, I sorry that they're taking a movie and making something else with it. But if, if I would say get ready because it's your rest of your life is going to be this. This is what's going to happen for the rest of your life. We are it. We are hitting the time when the nostalgia we have, like that, is why they're making all these things. Because the people who grew up on this stuff is now are now entering prime demographics who have now we have now have careers. We have money to spend, so they're going to be mining that nostalgia for the next thirty years until we are too old, and they're going to do the next wave where they'll make a Pokemon reboot, and then all those people will be upset because the Pokemon isn't the way they remember it. I don't. I and. I don't care enough about this guy's opinion. I, he's valid. It's the thing that kills me is even by your own admission, you say that you would be just as salty if it was something that you cared about. Well, that's what I'm saying, but I don't have that connection. <laughs> and I don't understand why why that is important. I don't need to recognize. Why do I need to recognize? I think a little, I think a little salt and a little nerd rage in your diet is probably, probably an okay thing. I get plenty of that stuff. Hey, that's fine. On Twitter every day. I just think that at the end of the day, we should call a fucking spade a spade. I don't think this movie's going to be great, at least based on based on a trailer, admittedly. I'm probably not. Based gonna on a trailer. See, I'm not going to see it until probably I mean, I, Netflix or whatever. Wherever, I don't whatever know. streaming I, platform. I don't know. I feel, like I, I feel like I want to see it just because it's going to be like a cultural thing, but the fact that people are choosing that this is the hill they're going to die on. And if it's wretched, I just think that that's worse for culture than anything. It's, I don't know. If it's bad, they just won't make more. Mm. Well, I mean, all it does is prove the neckbeard's right. It doesn't, it shouldn't, I don't think it should be this flashpoint of culture is sort of my thing. I think we should sort of let people criticize it and whatever. Well, I mean, that's, I don't, I'm fine. That's fine. Dan yeah, Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's excited. Most people are not. Dan Aykroyd's excited about well, this I, movie. I hope it's good. I hope it is good. I, I am not actively wanting it to be bad. I don't really have that big an investment. I mean, I watched the old Ghostbusters, and I'm like, yeah, that was a great movie. But I, I, you know, I had a Ghostbusters birthday party when I was a kid. I've literally not thought about it since. I had toys from the cartoon. Yeah, me too. I think I got rid of them. Oh, I have mine in the corner. <laughs> I, was, I was wearing it earlier today. Oh, okay. That's what I got up at 5 a.m. to do, was oh. wear, my, wear my Ghostbusters paraphernalia. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. 
No, I, I mean, I, I, I try and avoid all the, I just, I, I don't, I just can't. I make, think, I just, can't. I just think it's, I think it's healthier. I just, I honestly, I think it's healthier to just have a little bit of open discussion and not just dismiss people as it's sexism and look, you're just a baby. Like you want this to be your special thing. Well, I think that this video is worth watching. I think his reasons are fairly reasonable. What? And I think when you, when, when you just plant that, when you just say you're an idiot and you're a sexist and then the movie's terrible, well, that, that makes you look like an imbecile. It really cheapens your argument. And it's, it is bad for the larger trend of, um, you know, like women centric media. Like I, I, that is, that is really like so much of the stuff that we spend time on. And I feel like, I feel like the force awakens got it wrong a little bit, but I, I, I think you and I, like we're reading all these really excellent comics that are female led. I, I mean, hell, I have battle angel Alita comics. I was reading in the nineties up here on my wall, female centric story. Um, this is not new to me. Like I expect my, I, I, I expect it. I expect great things. I expect really thoroughly well-rounded characters. You know, like I think that the force awakens got it wrong. Steven universe gets it right over and over and over again. And I, I expect that level from things. I don't know. Does this, does any of that make sense to you? Well, I understand. I mean, I, I'm, I agree with you though. You shouldn't just, I just didn't watch his, I didn't watch that video because I don't watch anyone, any video that going, I, this is how I feel about this thing. I'm like, okay. It's really, it's, it's, it's not angry. It's not pissy. It's not shitty. This is a guy that reviews movies, you know, and it's something that is important to him. And he's saying this trailer does not look good, which it does not. Did you ever watch the recut version of the trailer? Uh, no. It actually made me interested in it like well, if they had showed that well, i would have i would i would be a little excited about don't, the movie. i don't judge uh, trailers are terrible nowadays the people whoever edits trailers doesn't know how to do it or it's, like there's there's a there's some truth to that that it's complete like they'll spoil big story points or do whatever no that like it's all i mean it's just it is the same thing that is the product of how this movie got made it is a corporation trying to like scientifically mathematically go like okay this is how mm -hmm. you make a good trailer so we'll make every single movie the same exact trailer no it, i i agree with you there and i i just a, a very dark trend it's not it's not great but i mean how is it ever going to be a different thing you know this is this is some guy with like you know Ten million dollars in his pocket, trying to turn it into you know fifteen or twenty million dollars. That's how people treat the movie industry. You know how can how can we make how can I invest this into a couple of different movie studios and get more money back on the back end? And it I don't know the love of movies or properties or any of this stuff is not part of it. No, not really. But just I don't know. It makes a bad movie. <laughs> Which is kind of what I'm driving at. <laughs> you know, it's a different thing when you have people passionate working for Disney and Marvel making stuff that's wonderful. So, yeah. Do you want to hear about kitties, Eric? I do. I think we could, I, I think I, I could stand to, to 
pet a puppy dog right now. I have a grab bag. After of after after all that all that internet salt, I have a grab bag of things. The first of which is an app. An app for your phone. For your phone. It's called Cutesy. Oh. Okay, so you are familiar with with Tinder, correct? Oh God. Like the swipe left, swipe right kind of thing, right? I I wish I was less familiar with it. Okay, so imagine that, like, instead of, like, some attractive lady popping up on your phone, instead, you get a cute puppy. And you go, oh, that puppy's cute. And so you tap on the screen and give it hearts, up to ten hearts, and then you can go, <laughs> then you swipe, and another puppy arrives. Or a kitty. Or even a rabbit. They even have rabbits. Oh, my God. So you, and then, and you can swipe, and then you see another cute animal, and another, and another, and another, and they're forever. And they're so cute. That, this is... We have reached peak twee with this. And? 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 Well, this won't be applicable to you because you do not have any pets. But you can create profiles for your pets and then and put you can, and put your you animals can. on there. I have... Let's see. Let's look at Smokey's profile right now. Oh, I can't retrieve it. What the hell? This is garbage. <laughs> no, there it is. I found it. Smokey has 183 hearts. Wow. And she has received a gift of milk. That's creepy. You can get gifts. This makes me so uncomfortable. It's, and it's, and and then I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna make profiles for my other two kitties and we'll see how many hearts they get. So this is this is clearly someone that like got their their fake Facebook profile for their cat taken mm-hmm. down. Yep. And they're like, I'll show you. you need an app. <laughs> I'm gonna app this shit. I like it. I. I'm glad this exists, but there's all kinds of avenues of 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 this shit that I would, ne- I would I would never think of this. I you know, I I appreciate like a pet as much as the next person. I don't I don't whatever whatever it is in you, I don't have it. <laughs> whatever whatever virus. Oh god, kitty cats. I like that you're honest about it. At least that's that's it's definitely good. It's a very it's a, a very Robbie part of your personality. It's called cutesy. C-U-T-E-S-Y. It's like a curtsy, but it, with cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's... Uh, I haven't... I, I've been playing... I finished Doom. I love that these are the two things. that you're Like, you're you're checking in with cutesy and then sweaty wrestling men and Doom. Doom is really good. That ending is effing I crazy. I might buy myself a copy and play it tonight. You should play I, for I, Doom. I... I You'll love it. I think I deserve a little bit of a break, but like all I can think of is like I need to make art. I need to do st- I, I I don't know. I wish I could just stop sleeping and eating and just make stuff, but I just get home at the end of the day and I'm exhausted. <laughs> it, <laughs> Watch an old episode of stuff. Anyway, tell but, me about tell me about Doom. No, I just I finished it and I can I can confirm my my earlier opinion in that it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. It is. I like. Uh, I like that it's being described as amazing. That makes me happy. It. I. It, this is the single player campaign. I, I. It is worth the price of admission. It is sixty bucks for ten hours, though. Is it better that you play? You get a game that it takes ninety hours to beat. And you never finish it. Mm, maybe. No. This is better for you in particular. For, eh. for people who have no time. Mm. It it honestly is exactly how long it should be. If it was any longer, it would be. Too it would much. get monotonous. Yes, it is it, the exact length it needs to be. I guess like you could do that, and then I don't know. I would probably want more eventually, but that would be eventually. Just play it again on a harder difficulty. That would be one thing, but I'm saying like they have they have the engine; they can release a 
you know, they can release some some mission packs for it. Well, there is a actually a uh, a, a mode in the game called Snap Map, mm-hmm. in which people can make their own kind of isolated mission things. And some are in like people have recreated the old levels of Doom, uh, but they've also like I am. It's only and it's only been out like a week, so mm. there's I'm positive it will reach absurd levels of. Mario Maker. Well, yeah. So people making like insane things in Doom that you can just play as many as you'd like. Um, so that that's there. It will be, but the the single it, you I ten hours is a good amount of it. Any more than that, it, it would probably overstay its welcome. Um, I played more Enter the Gungeon <laughs> because, of course, I love that game. The game's amazing. I it is my favorite roguelike. It has surpassed Rogue Legacy. Played like seventy hours. I still am just there's still so much stuff I'm getting in that game, and uh, I went to wrestling. Went to NXT. One of my last. Then I only have two more shows to go before uh, I move. So I'm trying to get in as much as I can. God, NXT is so good. What's the 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 ninth? That's when Google Bordello's in town. Oh no. Yeah. Making you choose. It's a tough choice. Is there another show I could go to? You could not with me. I I definitely well, that's that's the, that's the whole thing. I, I kind of I mean I I'm sure I would enjoy it, but I kind of don't give a shit unless I'm just hanging out with you. No, that's the last opportunity. There's a taping the night before, like there's a you know, a live event the night before, but the, that is the their event that is their mm-hmm. quote unquote pay per view, mm-hmm. uh, and you could probably get a ticket on StubHub. It would be extraordinarily expensive. Probably I paid twenty dollars or, or, or something for I can. We have the internet in front of us. I can actually look and tell you what the <laughs> the price is for it. I paid twenty dollars for each for three tickets, and that was the exact moment they were released. Let's see, Wednesday from one hundred thirty nine dollars for the that's the night before the ninth. But there, see, everything is up to three hundred dollars for a ringside seat. General, all the other general admissions that range from one forty to two twenty two, which they are face value is twenty dollars, <laughs> but. Shinsuke Nakamura is an uh, amazing wrestler. I know you talk about him all the time. Seeing him live is just it's a ne- the next level. It's 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 like engrossing. It, it it's I don't know. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's and that's going to be the night after the, the event. So mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened at the event, it's all going to be like all the ramifications are going to come in in that taping. Then I'll have to. Then after that, I will be no more. I'll be only partaking of NXT through through the WWE network. Hmm. No live events unless they come to Canada. I mean, which is not out of the question. They probably will eventually. Um, that's it. Grab bag, cutesy, kitties, puppies. Eric's just quiet over there. I am quiet. I'm a thinker. Oh, I see. I'm playing with my macros. <laughs> like you're eating macros? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I could check in with that, but it would be dull. It's your, it's your time. Mm, I talked about what I wanted to talk about. I thought it was interesting. Okay. Um, you talked about sweaty men and dogs. And cats. And cats. And demons exploding. Rip and tear. Rip and tear. Rip, rip and tear. That's how the game starts. It's, does it literally say rip and tear? It tells you. To, the the, the, o, the voiceover narration is telling you, rip and tear. Rip that's, and tear. That's terrible. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> We I'm can move sorry. on. We can move on to our final segment. Talk about some Batmans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. D- d- in, literally double Batman in this case. Yeah. 
literally double Batman. Literally double Batman. And it's time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I will assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. This is our final chapter in the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo Batman run, which just recently completed. Uh, we'll be looking at Endgame and Super Heavy. Those two arcs. Endgame is the uh, Joker. Super Heavy is um, Gordon as Mecha Batman arc, even though he's not really in that suit too much, honestly. No, he's a lot less than I thought. Um, Down again. Yeah. Down again, Eric. Yeah. Agreed. You, agreed. Yeah. Does the phrase, the Joker's back, excite you? It could. I don't think, I can't imagine a world where the Joker's back is going to make me excited. It Because, like, how have we not seen it a hundred thousand times? There's, I, 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 there's still something there. It just, yeah, re- I mean, it would require creativity of, and, and I'm not, I don't this know. Ha- this has creativity, but I, I can't bring myself to care about the uh, yeah Endgame sees mm-hmm. the return of the Joker and mm-hmm. him brain he, him using Joker gas to uh, brainwash the um, the Justice League and then the entire town the entire city of Gotham basically becomes Jokerized. Mm-hmm. They get a Joker virus, like you do. Yeah, that's. Very, uh, it's an unusual thing. But I, I think the, the whole, the larger thing about the Joker in this story is that he is immortal. Is, like that's the like it's supposed to be like hinting at the fact that he he has always existed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I thought it was like that he goes back about four hundred years, well, and he was keeping himself alive with one of those Lazarus pits, and or he's tied in with the Court of Owls that he's one of their like immortal killers that sort of ran off the rails or something. They hinted at that's like, that's the thing. Like I think they're, I mean, he's intentionally trying to keep the origin mysterious. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is fine. I mean, that is kind of one of the things about the Joker that, you know, it stays mysterious um, that you, you know, is he the red hood? Is he this? Is he that? You know, and and they, I mean, that's directly alluded to that there's in the backup stories, all of those various, um, like basically made up origin stories and Joker's a robot and <laughs> all, all these weird things. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I, okay. Let me ask you, what are your thoughts on the, they allude like with this, they they kind of science it away with the Lazarus pits and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it still is alluding to a sort of supernatural quality about the Joker that he's yeah. more than just a man. Mm-hmm. Do you like that take on the character? Do you like a Joker that is ethereal, that is older than time, mm-hmm. or whatever? You know, do you do you do you think that is a good fit? I don't hate it. Um does you know it does come off a little creepy you know he's he's a good sort of horror villain in that right um i i don't know it's um i don't really have the slam dunk answer you know is he scarier when he's like this larger than life figure 
I guess maybe. I guess he would feel too small otherwise. I, I, I really don't know. At the end of the day, I just, I really don't like this that much. But I, I have not seen. Can you seen, pinpoint why? I, I just think that, I mean, why, I don't care to see the Justice League, like, I don't, I, to see Batman defeat the Justice League. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, I, I don't lay awake thinking, oh man, Batman's gonna beat up the Justice League. Yeah. I mean, I don't lay awake at night thinking, like, that would be so awesome. Like, I, it's, it's like there are comic fans that like to feel like they're comic fans, and then there are people that read a lot of comics. And we're in the later camp, and you can't get us excited just by saying the word Batman. <laughs> you can't get us excited by saying the Joker's back. But th- this is what comic book companies deal with, is like you want to capture the interest of that first comic book buyer, the ones that think they like comic books, the ones that, you know, they come in and they make Star Wars number one sell more than a million copies. That's what they want to tap into. I definitely liked Super Heavy way more than this Joker arc. I agree with you there. Um, I I think I agree that I don't like Endgame. Mm-hmm. And I also struggle with why. Mm-hmm. Like, pinpoint it exactly. I think it comes down to the Joker and Batman. Like, I don't want when you fo- it's hard. When you focus so much on the Joker and Batman, they'll be doing this forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Then and make this the story so big about how the entire city is overrun with the the Joker virus and the Justice League is like they make it so big, and it doesn't need to be that that big. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need. Yeah. This fan, like when you the, the drum idea, up the, yeah, right. The idea of Batman is bigger than Batman has any right to be. Is kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, and they, I mean, they even get into that at some point in, in Super Heavy, which I think actually does it better. Um, but like, I think if you look at the cover of Forty, and it has, it's mm-hmm. like this mythical, yeah, fantasy. It's, it's- I think it's literally taken. No, it's taken from uh, Saint George killing the dragon. Oh, okay. So it's like a piece of Renaissance art. Actual art. Um, Yeah. That I guess can encapsulate my problems because when you try going for like, hey, this is literally this is like literally an angel. Like this is a knight fighting a dragon. Like it's just just make it doesn't have to be big to be big. Mm-hmm. You can tell a concise story about Batman versus the Joker, and it can mean something without you literally saying this means something. Like that is what, like it's just this. Every like I think it comes down to that. Like almost every like every other page of this book is that one panel from The Walking Dead that says we are The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> this book entirely is just every page is screaming like this is important. Batman is fighting the Joker, and this they they are. Hey, hey guys. These, they are symbols for other things. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, I got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. You don't need to tell me explicitly. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Are you, are you, oh, Batman represents order and Joker represents chaos? I, I didn't know that. Except for, <laughs> except for the, like, the 
50 other times I've seen Batman and, and Joker fight each other, and that is exactly what has happened. Yep. You, you don't have to, uh, you, there's sub, subtext, sub, subtlety, and it just, it just doesn't have it. It's just very much like, hey, the Joker is back. He has a hipster haircut, right? For some reason. Um, and he's, like, I don't, why they never actually spell out his intent. Like, what is he trying to do? Yeah. People just do stuff in this and things just happen for seemingly no reasons. I feel like in, in both arcs. Yes. But it's like, you know, I mean, I mean, to an extent, like you can't get the whole story reading these issues. I mean, so there might be something happening off the page here, but it's just, it's very frustrating because it's, there certainly are parts that people just do things and it feels like an executive decision and not the character's decision. Yeah. Like, why is the, why the Joker came back, got the Justice League infected and the whole city of Gotham mm-hmm. and is trying to kill, beat Batman. But why is he trying yeah. to beat Batman? Because he's the Joker? That's not, yes. a, that's not an answer. It's the only answer we're going to get. Um, I think I, I like Bloom, Mr. Bloom more as a villain, like, but he still suffers from the same issue mm-hmm. motivation. Like we never, like what is Bloom? What, like, how is he a threat? Like they, they kind of make it at the end. Like, Oh, it's, be, it's, he's anyone. He could, Bloom could be anyone. The, the, and they're all, it's it becomes, I guess is, I, it's a class thing is what I got out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't even spell like, like, you get Batman working at like uh like a homeless shelter or, or or you know or Bruce Wayne I should say he's not yes he's not Batman for most of it um Bruce Wayne working at the homeless shelter and 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 I guess that ties in contextually to the, like the class thing but it just doesn't it seems to come out of, like I don't why is Bloom doing this stuff can you tell me Eric no I no don't. I can't okay because like he looks cool yeah oh, I like. He's a really cool-looking villain. He's a cool-looking... He, he, he really is. I like the idea of, like, deadly plant life. That it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 like, in the context of, like, Poison Ivy is kind of, like, more of, like, an existential threat of the overgrowth of life and plants and our own problems with environmentalism. Bloom is, like, the opposite. It is, like, nature personified, you know, trying to kill us. But he just is doing like he impales yeah. the penguin who is fine totally fine just gets like a big thing that's rammed through his insides oh he's okay he's fine don't worry about him he went to the hospital he got stitched up he's good now um i i think that that the problem is the vi- like i don't understand why the villains are doing anything mm-hmm. like because they're trying to take down batman but why i i don't like bloom like he like at the very end it <laughs> He talks about the... the. I think at the end of the day, I mean, I don't really want to read a story that that reason is always because they're bad people. That's stupid. That's clumsy. Yes. And that's literally the motivations of both of these villains. This is... is, It really is. It's just so caught up in being big and overblown and trying to be a big metaphor it's just it's just clunky okay so here here's bloom's little monologue at the end mm-hmm. 
uh, let's see, stop lying to yourself. The city, it's a failed experiment. Gotham isn't some tame garden. It's a wild, bloody landscape. You like your neighbor? No, you don't. You hate them. They hate you. You smile, you nod, but you know what? Say damn them. Do it. Damn them. That's right, and you say it. Damn the people here illegally driving up your taxes, and if you're here illegally, you say it. Damn the people who help screw up your home and then want to send you back there. There's only me. So it's selfishness? Like, I don't I don't get it. Like, what is he so doing? So Bloom is Ayn Rand. Oh, God. I guess? Yeah, I just found it. I, get, I mean, that. I mean, that is, I guess the contextual, yeah, it lines up with. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, well, I like James Gordon. Yes, that's that's easily my favorite part about this is putting him as a central character and putting him in a Batman suit. And I like the design of that Batman suit. And I like the way that robot looks. And it's I don't know. It's not like there's not creative thinking in this. There's 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 some good in here, but yeah. Do you want to talk some about uh, about old Jimmy James? Uh, I mean, he's a he was refreshing change of pace after the Batman of Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like he's outmatched and has to think on his feet. He doesn't have ninja training. He just has he has military training, but he's not otherworld. He's not the yeah. superhuman as we are is, is the word you use to describe which superhuman. Su- yes, superhuman. Yes. He's not that. He's just like a competent, trained man uh, who looks weird with a mohawk and without his mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a compelling figure in that you're I'm, I rooted for James Gordon. I was like, come on, you got it. Yeah. He, you know, he had to like dig himself out of things because, he, you know, he had to think quickly and you didn't he wasn't necessarily going to just outright win every fight he's in because he's not Bruce Wayne. Um He's. I can empathize with James Gordon. Yes. I don't empathize with Bruce Wayne. No. Um, I think that's the best part about Gordon is that he is like a he's human. Which yeah, he's more of the everyman. Which I I mean, compared to Batman, though, he's and you, I mean, you said root for me. He is more of a, more of the underdog. Mm-hmm. You know that that's become. The mark of who Batman is is he's the guy that always wins. Yes, you know he's the he's like the <laughs> he's like the 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 apogee, the height of like like being a big strong man. So I'm always I always got to win, but it, it's that's not interesting. I I can't remember who it was. It might have been Stephen Silver or someone was talking about working for Disney in like the early 2000s or something like that and how they wanted, or maybe it was Nickelodeon. I think it was Nickelodeon that they said they wanted all of their characters. They want like all of their characters have to be cool. Well, that's not compelling. Like that might be compelling to a child because they see something cool and they want to emulate that. But you, it's not a good story if that's who your character is. At the very least, you have to view that character from the outside, right? You know, which we do in a lot of these stories. Yes, we're looking at Batman from the outside, and putting Gordon as Batman makes him like you can make Gordon Batman vulnerable. Yes, you know, I, like you, we, we just talked about how 
like that end game stuff is very literally like here we're gonna throw two metaphors at each other, and that is what a lot of this reads like. I think why like thinking about it, why Zero Year stood out as Mm -hmm. my favorite part of all this for sure Mm -hmm. is that Batman Bruce Wayne is not he's not a metaphor in that he's not like a symbol for something he is just a character he's just a dude yes like learning the way like there's flaws. Yes. And, and struggles like this, and but this is just hey, Bruce Batman win. He beats the Joker theoretically. Not that, and that's the most frustrating thing about Endgame, is that nothing, neither nothing changed. It's a big reset button. Yeah, and what well, I was going to ask about, I was going to talk. I want to talk about that. That that we, machine. We definitely should. That machine, like they have made a reboot machine inside of the mm-hmm. comic book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's on, it just it's craziness. Like, Bruce Wayne is just Bruce Wayne. He's not Batman anymore. Until he realized, he lost all his memories. But he come, he goes to Alfred. He's like, hey, I'm Batman. <laughs> and, but I'm not Batman. I don't have, I don't have all the training, you know, all that stuff, but I need it. Put me in this machine that makes me a new Batman. Mm-hmm. And that machine isn't destroyed, is it? Like, that machine is just there, right? It's just hanging out forever. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. And all they have to do is put Bruce Wayne in it. Mm-hmm. And it kills him, mm-hmm. but then he comes back and he's Batman, fresh new Batman. Yep. Is this going to happen again? I hope not. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that that was the idea of the machine? Is that he was going to do it on clones of himself? Yes, over and over and over and over again for the rest yeah. of time. So there, there's always a Batman, which I mm-hmm. like. That weird, like Tom Strong Batman, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call him. The, the oh, white, yeah. I, I like that guy. I want more of mm-hmm. him. With a kid and a, a wife and a kid and I don't know. I, I wanted, but it's just a literal machine that can make you Batman. Mm-hmm. Just takes a fresh human and then just goes, boop, you're Batman now. Do you want to, do you want to talk about this creepy guy on the bench? You mean the Joker? Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't all out say that it's the Joker, but it's, it's, how could it not be the fucking Joker? It's the Joker. Yeah. I mean, how could it not be? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know why. It doesn't, does it, like, I had seen the hype for that online mm-hmm. when that issue came out. Like, oh, yeah, they're they're back together and they're just going to chat on a bench. But nothing, it doesn't, did you get anything out of that? No. Neither did I. It, like, it it felt, again, like, these two symbols, like, like mm-hmm. oh, talking at each, like, not even, that is not a conversation that people have. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, uh, billionaire uh, philanthropist and, and like homeless shelter guy, like, you know, guy who's like just a charity worker, not Batman, not Batman. Bruce Wayne goes to, uh, and, and then this weirdo guy talking about birds and has a gun, like, it, it felt like, like a completely abstract conversation. Like, I, I don't, like, it didn't accomplish. Mm. I don't understand, like, I, I, looking at it now, I'm like, I don't understand why everyone was so hyped about it. Like, it didn't, like, it was so, it might as well not have been there. Well, the thing that I do get out of it, you know, he asks him, don't go back to being what you were. And he means don't go back to being Batman. Yes. Apparently because he doesn't want to go back to being the Joker, and he feels compelled to, to if there's a, if he is Batman. I guess. Yeah, but that 
Yeah, no, that exasperated sigh is the is the correct response to that. Like that why? <laughs> it apparently means an awful lot to a lot of people. I mean, okay, I can understand I can accept that there's a character that is there's a Bruce Wayne and he is compelled to be Batman because of the tr- tremendous traumas he has suffered through seeing his parents murdered in front of him as a child. Got it. I can I can I can accept the fact that there is this uh this man who is the Joker who sees the Batman as a challenge to something. And so he is compelled to face him. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't make why is the why does the Joker want to do these things? Mm. Why why is this why is he compelled to challenge Batman? Why is he compelled to exist as the Joker? If he is aware of this fact, that it he can't be. He can't be. I don't unless you you can't make the Joker both like he can't be everything. Mm-hmm. And Batman like that's like they literally want to make the Joker everything. Like he's a mythic figure that has existed for hundreds of years and he wants to and he's a challenge Batman. But he's also this tragic just dude that doesn't want to be the Joker. Really? Why? How? When this has never existed before ever. <laughs> If you want to do this now, it's okay. It'll be forgotten in six months. Have you seen the redesign, Joker redesign? Oh God, who's doing it? I think it was. I want to say Ralph, Ralph, uh, Raphael uh, uh, Albuquerque. Oh, okay. It looks good. I don't doubt it. It looks better than this Joker, at least the design. I mean, I I think Greg Poole's art. Is the only ones that the only one that's coming up is uh, the 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 cover that did not get used. I wonder if I can find it. That's Sean Gordon Murphy, seventies Joker. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. It's so good. <laughs> okay. Here's the here's the one I this is still rumored, but you can actually see it in the uh <laughs> Huh. He's like wearing a suit, I think. Um white suit. Um that's just I don't know. That's hearsay. Um that's the rebirth joker, theoretically. But I don't Again, it just becomes like this abstract thing. These aren't, it, I never read them as characters. Like, I think Gordon stands out because he actually reads like a character, like a person, and not just like, hey, it is a metaphor. Like, did you, f- this, the, the back and forth between Bruce Wayne becoming Batman, did you ever feel kind of any empathy there? Not sure I understand your question. Like, did you feel like, oh no, Bruce, don't do it. I, oh, um, I want you to be happy. I yeah, want you, a little bit. I want you to have you know, a wife I, and kids. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I mean, not like overwhelming so, but, you know, it, it happens and you're like, of course he uses the plot device, the literal plot device, <laughs> to become Batman again. Yeah. Of course that happened. Batman Echmachina? Mm-hmm. It's the Batman machine. Yeah, the Batman machine. That's what that is. Yeah, it it, it literally is the Batman machine. So cornball. It's. Uh, I don't know. I like everything that James Gordon does in this comic. Mm-hmm. I I he's cool in this. He's yes. And we know how old he is. He's forty six. He's forty six. It's pretty athletic for a forty six year old. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's not unheard of. No, no. I mean, he and they. They said implants. Yes, and then and immediately when he stops being Batman, he's just kind of dumpy Gordon again with his trench coat. Doesn't doesn't Bullock buy him a giant trench coat? 
How does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Where do you like, I want a 16-foot trench coat. Okay. <laughs> God almighty. I mean, if I mean, if you have enough money, someone will make it for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, this was, I was disappointed. Yeah. After reading Siri year and going like, wow, this is actually good. I like this. And then it just, it feels like, I don't, it, it this is like if Patrick Bateman from American Psycho was a comic book. <laughs> like in all ways, it looks and feels like a comic, but there's like nothing inside of it. Yeah. It's like an empty abstraction of a comic book. While trying to scream at the top of its lungs how much content it's got inside it. I'm a comic book. Yeah. Look how serious I am. Mm-hmm. Ideas. Yeah. Symbolism. Allegory. Illusion. Oh, dearie, dear, dear. <laughs> I think, well, I don't know. I, 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 Ingr- Capullo's art. Mm-hmm. He good. grows on you. Yeah, yeah he I like grows it. on you. I'm... It kind of it kind of bothers me. Like what was I was just looking through it was uh, issue fifty and how the whole second half is not Capullo. Mm-hmm. So it's like he doesn't even get to finish his own thing. I mean, fifty one is him, right? Yes. Which is, I mean, maybe that's what he he stopped in the middle and he's like, well, I want to do the final issue, so have someone else do it. So I guess that's what he wanted to do. Well, I don't. Snyder wrote or co-wrote Fifty Two, but Capullo did not work on Fifty. Capullo was yeah. done after. I'm 50. talking about. Oh yeah, I'm talking about Fifty One. Yeah, that maybe he wanted to leave, and that's really what he wanted to end up on. So he let someone else finish Fifty. But like, I just I don't know. The emotional beat seems a lot stronger on Fifty. You know, Gordon in the hospital, and I don't know. It's a big number, Fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I would have I would have picked that over this that I would have let someone else do this because that that's like I don't know. I guess it does it feels like the first of a new thing. Like what it's trying to say here rather than the end of our thing. I don't know. I guess I don't disagree with what he's done, but I wish he could have done all of it even though I really like I I liked the art that was done in 50 at the end better than his art. I like his Wonder Woman. That's one thing I can certainly say positive about him. Draws a beefy Wonder Woman. She shouldn't be beefy. She's a warrior. She, she shouldn't be? No, she should be. That's I was going to say, I think, I think he nails her. I mean, yeah. she's, she's like tall and broad and, you know, she looks awesome. She's, yeah, I, I'm not complaining. No, I'm not. Um, it's not, not, not an insult. Beefy. No, I, it just, it just suits her. It does. She looks, she looks powerful. Yes. She looks like a robot can punch her in the face. I, I just... Okay. This is an idea that just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've read every Batman comic ever. You are the Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Does this feel better to you because it feels like commentary on all those other comics? Because it, it is so abstract. I wonder... And that just because we, as only have read some Batman comics, are we just don't enjoy it because of that fact. Because it is 
it's about not necessarily the the characters in the story. It is about the story itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I I don't know how to answer that question. It's impossible. Um, no, it is because I mean, this person could theoretically like it for any different reasons and hate this writer and dislike this, and you know, maybe they like. I, I reject. I feel like it, I, go ahead. I said I would reject that idea. Only because this is a new 52. This is a new Batman. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that it has to stop them from ignoring the, that fact in many, 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 many ways. That, oh, this is completely separate from the before times. They just act, they, they, there are many instances of them going, no, we want to keep that stuff from before, so we're going to. Um, but if you are establishing a new Batman, you can't, you have to make him a character first not just an abstract metaphor of a, of of the batman i don't yeah. i i i feel like that is where you start you do not do a weird metaphorical story thing 2 years into something you do it 10 years into something yeah and you have to establish the the rules and foundation for what your stories are before you can start riffing on that in weird abstract ways well i mean you could certainly make the argument there's been a Batman stories since what the forties? I know that's what I mean. So I mean that's I mean if you were gonna you couldn't it does kind of make sense to do this kind of story if you're going to but why? It I would and I, also it doesn't feel like it says anything. It do, if it's gonna do that, it doesn't that's feel really, like it's making a statement about it. That that's really the big thing that like you can you can divorce a story from reality, but when you like when when it stops like following like laws of like how to make compelling characters and how to how how to make a compelling story how to keep i i feel like i don't know the 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 properties that do it the best Mm -hmm. they understand what it is that's unique about that character and then they do that and this doesn't do that unless standing on the top of a building in a shadow is what Batman does best. I mean, he's pretty good if, at it. I I mean, none better, you know, but there's there's a reason we keep talking about the the Manipal Buccioletto stories and Batman the animated series because those really they cut to the quick that and and you know, you can have different iterations of Batman, you know. The Batman Brave and Bolts, like, uh, are you familiar with it at all? I've not watched it. No. It's it's kind of this cartoony, bigger than life Batman, you know, where it's very superhero-y, you know, and it's a lot of action and punching guys in the face. But it is a cartoon for kids. Yes. You know, I think that's fine. It is a Batman. It's perfectly acceptable, and for that audience, it does exactly the right thing. The animated series, and men, maybe that's just what this is. That this is a conversation with with a, a different kind of fan. That you know, the, the the animated series, it's right there. It's on the ground level. I always think of Joker fighting Batman. What was it in like a, that clock tower or something in in the the Batman animated series movie with the phantasm? I haven't seen where, that. Where were they? Time. Where were where were they fighting? He had like a big ass wrench, but like. He wasn't, I don't know, it was just 
two dudes, two important dudes, but they weren't like, it wasn't like watching the endless fight, <laughs> you know? Yes. Because that's not what it is. You know, watching Sandman stories are, are fine. They're good. They're Sandman stories. And Batman stories are fine. Like, I mean, why, why try and mix those things? It doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. It really, it misses the heart of it. You know, it's like, it's, it's like superior Spider-Man, I guess. It kind of is. Yeah. That like, I don't know. There's telling something different and really being ballsy, which can be good, but there's betraying like the heart of what that character is. And that's kind of what happens. Like doing that and still trying to be as absolutely overwhelmingly Batman-y as possible. Yeah, I don't know. It it's not my Batman. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I there's it, there's many people who love this. And yeah, many and they're, they're, and many they're... Batman fans who really yeah. like people who existed prior to this thing, not just new people mm-hmm. or, you know, or uh, you know, an average person, but like hardcore Batman people who really really love this. I just can't I, I liked Zero Year is good. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that. I would not necessarily recommend. There's parts of this that are good. I like. I like Kapula's art, especially Zero Year and After, because the colors are mm-hmm. much much better. But it it I, the storytelling like it's not even like execution. It's just cho- the choices. Yeah, storytelling choices are just. I don't don't work for me. I can't. I I, I I'm glad that I read this honestly because like it at least I know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna read it again. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm ex- I am excited about the Tom King Batman. I want to see what that is. That's going to be that 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 might be my Batman. I ho- I, I did ho- not I didn't I did not realize Tom King was going to write it. I I probably read that and totally put it out of my mind. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, we need to read every issue of that. Well, I imagine it, it'll be great. It comes out. Well, they know you want to read every issue of that, Eric, because it's going to come out twice a month. Double ship. Double Batman. Uh, oh, that's the thing I was going to mention. I forgot. Damn it. The there's their DC is shifting to twenty page comics. With that's Earth. fucking weird. They're saying, oh yeah, we're going to keep the price at three dollars, but comics are going to be twenty pages. <sighs> this is the thing that's so frustrating about comics is the price is going to keep going up because you know artists and writers want to make a decent living and they kind of don't for all the work they put into it. The answer is getting new people, new readers, more people buying the books. But I guess if they knew how to do that, they would have done it already. <laughs> I, I, of all the people who you could say, oh, they're going to write a Batman book, aside from maybe Jason Aaron, you say Tom King, I'm like, well, everything he's done so far has been a very unique spin, unique take, mm-hmm. well-read, well-versed. I'm very hopeful that his Batman Yeah. Is good uh, and, and interesting. Um, but we'll see that it will be shortly. Batman Rebirth, which will be Snyder and King co-writing. Um, oh, Harvey's made an appearance. Um, but how many how many hearts does he have on cutesy? He doesn't have a profile yet. Smokey was the, like the test because she's fluffy. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to mention about Batman? Eric? Nope. Yeah, we've done our due diligence. We have. It's been it's been a good chat, a good bat chat. Bat chat. 
stupid. Listen to you laughing at that. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I laugh anyway. Um, we're gonna do next week. We're gonna do uh, some Joe Hill comics. Sweet. Yep. New Lock and Key. Uh, we're gonna do the entirety of Lock and Key. We do over two weeks. We're gonna do first volumes one through three next week. I have read the first trade of this. That's it. Is his name actually Joe King? Don't know. Like, is Stephen King's name actually Stephen King? Yes. Okay. Stephen King's name is actually Stephen King. Okay. His proper name is Joseph Hillstrom King. So his he goes by Joe Hill, which I can... Okay. Can, uh, you f- just verified it? I just verified it. The With the entirely, always, 100% factually correct Wikipedia. Of course. A friend of mine wrote a fake Maya Angelou poem on the Maya Angelou page, and it stayed up there for weeks. Does not surprise me. Yeah, the internet. But uh, we'll get into some horror, horror, Lovecraftian horror stories. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I think we. Sh- I think we should be. I've always wanted to read some Joe Hill ever since discovering he was a, a force for good in the comic book world. So uh, that'll be it. Lockheed Volume One through three next week. I think we can call it a day with that. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Links to everything there. Links to our Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. To our Twitter, which is at hbchour. And you can email us handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star review. Everyone says it, but it actually helps us a lot. It helps more people find the show. We really do appreciate every single person who does that. Um, you can also just... Tell, tell us to your friends. Tell us, hey, you like comic books? You should listen to this podcast. Always helps. You can find me on Twitter at MixmasterShiro. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you online? Well, you can see my portfolio. I've finally got the index page done. So you can go to freewillunlimited.com and see my portfolio. You can also go to ericzgoodnight.com and see most of the things I get up to. That includes my Instagram, where I'm known as Easy Goodnight. And my Twitter, where I'm at Mr. Bad Example, spelled MR Bad Example. So that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.